What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Well, 2022 continues to roll strong on the Lynch with a Leader podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. And just the thought that I get to be on this leadership journey with you just pumps me up. And I am so excited you tuned in today. And thank you so much for all of you who listen each month, and especially for those of you that go and leave ratings and reviews. I just got this from Jackson Brown 68. If you're serious about being a leader of people that people will follow and learn from, you'll need to make this podcast a weekly routine. Thank you, Mike, and all of these guests for being transparent, for sharing their wisdom. What a blessing. And I would agree, Jackson Brown 68, each one of these guests are such a blessing to me, and I'm glad and in turn, it blesses you. Well, today we get to continue the strong start to this new year by sitting down with a gentleman who's already been on this podcast once, but when I found out he had his new book out, I had to get him on again. His name is is Ken Coleman. He's the host of the Ken Coleman Show on Ramsey Solutions, and he's part of Ramsey Solutions. And he is one of the guys that has his pulse on the marketplace. And this new book, talking about how can we go from just going to work to getting up every day and living with a purpose that's bigger than us. You are going to enjoy this episode. I'm so excited because Ken has spent the weekend at North Star. He's part of our Lunch with a Leader, and now he's part of this rollout of our podcast rolling out on Monday, and I am so thrilled you get to listen in. This is going to be one that you'll definitely hit pause a lot, pull out your your notebooks and jot down some notes, thumb in some notes to your phone because it's just so rich with information. So I don't know where you're listening from today, but I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Ken Coleman. Well, Ken, thank you so much for joining me again on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It's an honor to have you, buddy. Well, it's always good to talk with you. You have an enthusiasm that is infectious and uh, we always have great conversations. So I'm looking forward to it. You're awesome. I love your new book. Before we dive in, I I sort of want to start at the end and work our way back. Mm -hmm. You tell the story of being 17. You're packing up to go to Liberty University. You get a quote book, which is the the, uh, youth pastor's cheap way of giving you a graduation gift because they got them in bulk. And you fall on a quote from the great Zig Ziglar. Mm -hmm. You'll get what you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Why was that true then? And why is that true now, Ken? What would you say? Well, because it's all about contributing to others Mm -hmm. and investing in others. That's what the heart of that entire quote is about. And so just like money investments, when I invest and I invest wisely, I invest intentionally, I invest consistently just as I do with my money, I'm going to get a return on that investment. 
Uh, every investment's different. The return rate of return is different. So this is this is true of money and it's true of people. Mm. And that's what Zig was saying. He was saying if you have a mindset and a heart set to contribute to others, just contribute. That when you do, it will come back to you. It will return to you. And deeply buried in that quote is a truth that people only realize when they do what he said mm. that we need to do. And that is that it's not the stuff or success that he's referring to when he says, get what you want. That's right. What he's saying is you are going to achieve significance and that's the beauty of that. So now I look back on that. I'm 47. So it's almost, you know, just over 30 years ago, I read that. And that's what it's about. That's what mm -hmm. the book is about from paycheck to purpose. That's what my entire show is about. It's what my entire professional mission about is about. It's helping people see that there's a unique role that they were created to fill. That means they are tremendously valuable because they're needed. But then there's another step. There's a duty. If you are, in fact, valuable and needed, then you must do it. Mm. And if you don't show up and give yourself away uh, through your work and through your life, then you are shortchanging someone else. So this, this whole purpose journey that I'm so incredibly passionate about has nothing to do with us. It's about others. Can you, and I know Paycheck to Purpose is so good. I mean, this is, I was just telling my administrator at our church this morning, we need to buy this for every college student, not just when they're graduating, but before they graduate, before they end up in detours and dead ends and all that kind of stuff. Can you find your purpose and ultimately live out your purpose if you don't get the other's piece right? If you don't understand that all of your purpose is about more than just you, can you can you really find your purpose ultimately? Uh, you might stumble into it. Let's just say that a small, small percentage. But the answer is most likely not. Yeah. And the reason is, is because you are on purpose when you use what you do best, your talent, to do work you love, passion, to produce results that matter to you, mission. Mm. So the answer to your question is the third element that I talked right. about in stage one of the seven stages in the book it is what are the results of my work missional results well there's always people attached to that and so when you begin to see that passion and mission are the two important really super important elements because absent of passion and mission you might be successful as we've seen many seven-figure earners be very successful based on talent alone but there's something missing and that's why they commit suicide or dabble in affairs or get into drugs or blow all their money because passion and mission were missing. Love of the work, like just love of the work. I'll give you a practical example. When I first started on this journey in the early 30s, moving from politics to broadcasting, I dabbled in sports media in the Atlanta area and I got in and I learned after enough exposure and experience that while I it did allow me to do passionate work, meaning communication and performance, what was missing was the contribution. And mm -hmm. sports radio or sports television is entertainment. That's the result. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. 
But for me, what was missing was I realized I wanted to communicate to influence. And thus the path that I'm on now. Yep. So, so, so that's how I would answer that. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I got to tell you this before I forget, I, yes, get that book for college students, but don't forget your church is full of 35 and 45 and 55 year olds who have never truly understood Genesis chapter two and, and, and that they were created to contribute and they're just in an okay job or whatever. And they're sitting in the pews on Sunday and something's still missing. So I'll come preach this message straight out of Genesis chapter two, and we'll walk them all the way to second Timothy two 15. Uh, so just want I'm volunteering that. So there you go. Just throw yeah. that out there. This is, I, this is not a college thing. And I understand what you were saying, yeah. but I mean, I want people that are listening to this to go, there are some leaders that are listening to this That's and right. you are not on purpose in your leadership because you aren't in your sweet spot as a leader. You aren't using your top talents to perform your greatest passions yep. to produce your driving mission in leadership. And it's just a switch and it could change everything for you. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And you think of the great people that we've known and, and you and I spent, we spent four years walking a university in Virginia. We were speaking out before we went on the air uh, different times, but we got exposed to great leaders. Then you joined the John Maxwell company. Then you're part of catalyst. Now you're part of Dave Ramsey. You were in the sports market. I know Bob Rathbun was such a huge influence to you in that, in that arena. I want to name a couple people and I want you to talk about the purpose they live with. You work with one right now, Dave Ramsey. He is driven by purpose, way more than a paycheck, way more than when you think of Dave Ramsey, what's the impact he has because he works on purpose and he found his sweet spot in his calling? Yeah. So Dave is, Dave is, Dave's mission is he's trying to drive financial peace, right? And now bringing in people like me, he wants to help people work on purpose. He wants to help marriages. He wants to help parents. And so all that has come from his driving mission is to give people financial peace, to help people avoid debt and the path of bankruptcy that he went down, to live like no one else, give like no one else, to truly have peace in the area that causes so much chaos. So when you look at a guy like that, you're going, okay, let's look at you know my, my core methodology in stage one that we unpack in the book, which get clear. How do That's we right. get clear? What do I do best? Well, Dave's top talents. The guy is a fantastic teacher. Okay, he's really, really good. He's he's a he's a great thinker analytically, storyteller. You know, I could go on and on and on yep. all the things that he's very talented in that area. Well, then what is what does he love to do? Well, he loves to teach and coach, right? And so thus the speaking, the writing, uh, the one-on-one coaching on the radio, that's what that is. You know, and and so he loves that. So what are the results that he wants to drive? He wants to drive influence. At the end of the day, and I'm just kind of bucketing these. Yeah. He wants to drive influence, changing people's lives, yep. transformation. So that's the answer there. And, and so when you see any great man or woman, you look at their, you could break it down to why are they successful? Because they use their talent to perform their passion, to produce their mission. That's right. And everything's in alignment. 
That's really good. And you talked about clarity there, and you do such a great job in the book unpacking clarity mm-hmm. and what that means. And you talk about, and I never heard anybody else say this before, Ken, you talk about the word doubt and why it's so dangerous to clarity. And I hear it on your show all the time. People will call in, they've got a problem, and I think they know the step. You're telling them something they already know, but there's this lingering doubt. What does doubt do to clarity? Yeah, well, it distracts and it discourages. Mm, That's good. It distracts and discourages. So when I am doubting, I am, by definition, focusing on a negative outcome. I don't know if I've got what it takes. I'm not sure I've got enough time. Don't know if i got enough money. Don't know if anybody will give me a shot. Mm. These are the voices of doubt. And so what happens is, is doubt distracts us from the thing that we are supposed to do. And so we can be clear. And by the way, I deal with this still. I mean, on a daily basis. I am not giving this lip service. But what happens when I begin to doubt, I take my eye off the prize. I take my eye off of what I was created to do, this mountaintop. As you know, we use the mountain analogy here so that people understand this is a climb. This is a journey. And I step into that professional pinnacle, what God created me to do. Well, let me just tell you something. On the journey... Um, there are going to be moments where you are very full of doubt and fear and even pride. As you know, we talk about those three enemies of progress, but here's what happens. Whether it's doubt, fear, or pride, we're clear and we're looking at the pinnacle. And when we begin to focus on the voices of doubt, our eyes go off of the pinnacle here, 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 all over the place. And there's the distraction. Okay, so now that I'm distracted, this is where discouragement likes to come in. And they just dogpile us. Because when I'm distracted with all these negative possible outcomes and thoughts, they start going around my brain like a roller skating rink. And as William James, famous psychologist, once said, no matter how absurd something is, if it is repeated often enough, people will believe it. And isn't (laughs) that true? true? So watch this. So watch what happens. Our absurdities become realities. Mm, mm, That's good. Okay. And so now I'm discouraged because it's become a reality. I believe that I don't have what it takes. I believe that it's too late in life. I believe that I'll never have enough money to be able to do what I want to do or get qualified to do what I want to do. I I, I believe that no one's going to give me a shot. So there's where, that's how distraction and discouragement um, become reality. You think even you and I are on the same plane with our belief systems there's an enemy to the purpose, right? I mean, there's an enemy to all the purpose that God has created in our lives. And there's somebody working to, to work against us constantly, right? Even in our work life, you even think of Nehemiah in scripture, you know, Nehemiah's building the wall, everybody's at work till the critics showed up. And then there's a verse. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. It says, and it's, I think it's Nehemiah four, eight. It's really interesting. He says, uh, the people began to look at the rubble. And they didn't look at the wall anymore and they got discouraged. And I think all of us live in rubble. We start with a great vision and we live in this rubble. If we don't do something about doubt, fear, pride, if we don't do, what can it do to us as people, Ken? 
Well, yeah, I mean, that verse is, again, I think it illustrates what we were just talking about, this idea of when what we focus on is what we act on. That's right. right? And so when we're just staring at destruction, that's what rubble is, right? I mean, I think we all can remember the images of 9-11. I mean, we just went through mm. the 20th mm. anniversary, and, and we were all reminded again in the news and everywhere. We saw those images again. And uh, when you stare at destruction, um, it just takes you to a place where you act that way. And it's like, okay, there's destruction everywhere. It's done. It's final. It's finished. I mean, that's that's really where you go when we look at destruction. It it has a finality to it. Mm. And, and so specifically speaking to that, um, what we have to do is, is in the midst of rubble, um, we've got to own whatever our role and, or whatever, whatever happened in the case of rubble. What happened? Mm. What happened in your failure? What happened in your rejection? Let's just make this really personal uh, because that's what this is. And, and so you got to go, okay, I got to filter this failure and this rejection. What did I do right? What did I do wrong? What did I have no control over? All right, now, based on those facts, what do I learn from this? And then we we then turn this no um, into a not yet, not here. That's really important. Yep. So, so it's, you know, you don't soak, you stay in the rubble long enough to learn something uh, and then go, all right, Welcome to success. Yep. Because I'm here to tell you, having interviewed thousands of successful people, um, there is no purpose, success, significance, absent of failure and rejection. So you you would do well to kind of go, all right, uh, I know that I'm going to fail and I know that I'm going to get rejected. And so that's part of, it's the price of admission. It's just the deal. And yep. when we own that, we go, okay, great. And I think that's the thing is not, is, is, is to not soak in it and not stay in it, but just go, all right. None of this rubble has changed the fact that there's still a mountain for me to climb. There's that's still right. a pinnacle that I'm supposed to reach. It doesn't change that. Does it change the timeline? You bet. Does it change um, my expectations? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it change the way I see things? Yeah, for the better. Because absent of the struggle, I just don't know how there can be significance. Mm-hmm. I don't know that you can achieve something that's pretty impressive, absent of struggle, and appreciate it. That's right. That's right. You know, in that, and you hit on that when you talk about getting qualified, and you and you even talk in that chapter about embrace. You know, Dave says embrace the suck. Yeah. Know that that is part of it, and you give a great illustration that I I appreciated. I don't know if everyone will of Mr. Miyagi and Karate Kid. I mean, that's that's our generation, right? That yeah. was that was us. He yeah. had to do things he didn't want, and he couldn't see how it was going to help him. Oh. What a great picture. Well, I mean, you know, we've all been there, you know, I mean, you and I both, you know, when we started out, I mean, we had to do the obnoxious painting of the fence. (laughs) So to, to the amino acids were bursting out and the the wrist is locked up, you know, or the, you know, the wax on wax off the, 
the standing on the on the post, the piling <laughs> post, trying to balance. I mean, you know, I remember the first time I did a radio show, I got to tell you, I mean, and I was always a decent communicator. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I, you know, I made sense and I was coherent, but I was, in, I was, I was tense. Yep. I was uh, discombobulated because you're looking at all the stuff in the studio and it feels like you're in a jet cockpit. I wouldn't want anybody to hear those, those early radio shows, mm. but here's the reality. I don't get to do what I'm doing now and impact the lives that I get to impact if I don't learn how to suck. That's right. I mean, That's by right. the way, we all rode a bike at some point and we were awful at it, yep. but we, we pressed through it so that we could enjoy the wind through our hair and riding over to our friend's house. It's, it's the same process. Yeah. You know, you even think of the whole 10, you're, you're not, uh, you don't achieve greatness. So you do 10,000 hours of something. Yeah. The reality is 9,000 of those hours, you were terrible at it, but yeah. you kept doing it. Yeah. You kept, you kept going forward and you talk about in this, and I thought it was really good when we're in that suck, when we're in that, in that moment, we don't like while we're trying to get qualified to do what we're called. We've gotten clarity. We know the mountain. Now we're trying to get qualified in it. Why is it hard to be patient where we're at and not just want to quickly ascend and, and go, I'm not going to go crazy here, right? How is it? How do you as a leader, because you haven't always been at the Ramsey show. You've worked your way to where you are today. How did you, how did you learn patience through that process? Yeah. Uh, it's learning how to channel desire. Oh, that's great. So, so desire is, is hardwired into us. It's a human element, right? It's just who we are. It's our condition, but desire unchecked desire misguided, of course, wrecks lives. Okay. Um, and it wrecks businesses, it wrecks dreams. And so we have to understand that the very thing that wants us to have so much progress so quickly is a good thing, but it must be kept in check. It must be, um, properly positioned. So, uh, patience is so stinking hard because of the desire. And so we get up, we persist, we and we have this thing that we desperately want. And that's a good thing. You know, the root the, the Latin word for passion is pati, P A T I, and if you study it, uh you'll see that it essentially means to suffer. Mm -hmm. And so if you break that down for a minute, this is this is pretty powerful if those of you that aren't word nerds give me about 60 seconds. <laughs> so to suffer. So I looked at it some more and I studied it and it basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, but the, the, the Latin word meant in that passion meant to suffer for an outcome. In other words, a desire for a thirst, they called it a thirst that must be quenched. Now, passion has been co-opted in the sense of romantic love and, and obviously more in a sexual connotation. And that, that still applies. However, when you begin to think of results, remember I talked about talent, passion, mission results that's that right. matter deeply to you. That's that thirst that must be quenched. Now I'm going to bring it all back to suffer passion to suffer. So I will be more patient 
when I keep my eyes focused on that thirst that must be quenched, that mission that must be accomplished. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is if I keep my eyes on the prize, it's back to the same thing. When I keep my focus where it needs to be, I will keep showing up and persisting while also waiting. Yeah. And it is the tension between persisting and waiting, patience, that really forms us. And and it is the secret sauce, by the way. Because let me just tell you this, if you persist and you have you don't begin to develop the the ability to be patient. And by the way, you cannot be patient absent of tremendous clarity, which will give you the conviction to stay with it. So I, I, I've got a, what are the results that I'm driving? I know God put me on his plan to do this and I'm supposed to do this. And if I don't do this, I am selling out and I am not being, you got to be convicted about this. And it is in those moments when you're sitting there and there is, you've been chopping wood and you don't think anybody's noticing and the tree hasn't fallen yet. It is in those moments that you summon the patience. Mm-hmm. And so you, cause here's what will happen. If you're just a person who goes, well, I'm going to be disciplined, persist, persist, persist. Guess what? You will burn out and you will fall off. That's right. Persistence, interestingly enough, is the result of patience. That's right. Patience is the fuel. That's my take on it. And, you know, man, I'm just in a season where I I'm, I'm in my dream job. I'm going to be vulnerable with some people right now. I'm just going to be real so that I, I really want to bring this home. I'm in my dream job, stage six, right? And then stage seven, as you know, in the book, you're in both of these stages consecutively. Yep. So I'm in my dream job, but now I'm focusing on giving myself away. And, and we can get into that later. But here's what I want people to know. I'm also in my dream job, but I'm also in one of the most difficult seasons of waiting that I've ever been in. Mm. Because the dream is so clear. The dream is so big. I'm in it, right? I'm I'm there, but there's so many other things I want to happen. And, 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 and in a personal season of waiting, mm. waiting on the Lord. And, and, and I'm just going to, I'm telling you something. I'm developing something on this right now. Uh, as Isaiah says, we all know the scripture, right? You know, those that wait upon the Lord yep. will soar on wings like eagles. But then he keeps going and he goes, it's very interesting to me. I'm doing a study on it right now. I'm getting all these different commentaries on this one scripture. Cause then he keeps going. We all get the soar and wings on eagles. That's like the motivational poster, yep. right? Like straight from the Bible. But then he says, we will run and not grow weary. Yep. And then he goes one more, but you notice he's downshifting. Yep. That's right. And then he says, we shall walk and not faint. And so I'm not trying to do a Bible study right now, but I, I just, I feel led to just share this, that there are seasons on this journey where you will soar. There are seasons where you will run and have to run hard. And there will be seasons where you just are one foot in front of the other. You're walking and you're, you're wounded and you're tired, but you won't faint. And I just see three speeds. I, th- I see seasons there and I see paces. That's right. And I'm just going to throw that out there because uh, patience, to me, is the is is the secret sauce even in that scripture verse. Wait, because because he starts off and go those who wait. That's right. 
So there's my little thing on patience that I, 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 I'm just preaching to myself right now. That's, that's what I'm reminding myself because it's, it's, it's this weird tension between wanting to do amazing, great things that are things that are on your heart and they're good, but then we don't control the timing. And that's a really tough thing for us humans. It really is, Ken. And I, and I'm so glad you unpack that because that's reality for all of us. So I'm 52. So I'm just ahead of you. And you know, you begin to look at life very differently at this, at this stage, right? My kids are adults, my, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a very different place. So we, we look at life differently. And you even think back to Joseph, you think back to the process God put Joseph through and how everywhere he went, I wonder, he knew what he wanted to be. Mm. He knew that God had put a dream in his heart. Mm. He knew that Others would bow down to him at some point, but it mm-hmm. sure take a heck of a long time to get there. Yeah. But everywhere he went, and here's what I love that you do, and I hear you do it on your calls too. You encourage people to bloom where they're planted there, right? You're, you're, you're in the season. It stinks. It's not fun, but, but it doesn't mean you don't work. You don't wait to work till you get to the top of the mountain. You're doing the best you can And realizing you and I have a faith behind our beliefs that says God isn't going to waste any of this time and God's not going to waste any of these experiences. So I want to, I want to, I want to sit on that for a second. The patience you've learned to get you to stage six, your dream job. How different would you be if your dream job had come too early? You got it without learning and developing. How different would King Coleman be? Uh, I shudder to think of it, honestly. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm struggling to share this. I'm going to share it, uh, but this is as authentic as I can be. Uh, there are anywhere from 20 to 50 people in Ramsey Solutions that would give personal testimony to being in a meeting with me over the last three or four years. And we're just in a regular meeting and we're talking about initiatives that we're doing on the Ken Coleman show and everything else. And I'll be all excited and talking about it. My energy's up and everything. And then out of nowhere, I just get choked up and (laughs) it's, I just start crying. Um, that emotion would not be there um, had I not gone through the journey that I went through, which was a 10-year journey from the moment that I felt like God was redirecting me from politics to broadcasting, not knowing what in the world it was, no clue how to get there. So I love the question because it's so sweet um, because of the journey and the struggle. Um, it matters more. And by the way, the reason that's so huge is because I know I care more deeply for the audience. That's right. Because I actually know what they're feeling and I know what they're thinking. (laughs) So it's not just don't miss, I don't miss that. It's like, it's not just appreciation for, for the result. Like that, that is wonderful. 
But the emotion that I'm talking about in those meetings, that just kind of gets me sometimes. And I really don't see it coming. I get so excited. Well, that comes from just caring. Um, and, and you care more when you've had to fight for it and That's you've right. had to struggle to get to it. It just means so much more. And, and you look back when you get there and you go, man, this was, this was worth it. Mm. It was worth it. So that's, that's, that's why, you know, my wife reminds me of that all the time. Mm. Cause I will tell you point blank. I mean, um, I struggled for many years, uh, beating myself up that I didn't see the direction change that God had for me earlier. Like I beat myself up. Was it being unfaithful? Was, was I, why, why did I miss this? And, uh, and then I've had some people in my life, my wife, and then, and then I just heard from, you know, heard from the Lord that it was all of that stuff that, you know, kind of, you know, going one direction, planning for one direction, and then seeing a brick wall, it was everything that led to that that's prepared me for this. Yep. So, uh, it's a beautiful thing when you look at it and you look back and you go, um, all of the journey has tremendous value in it. Mm. And, and, and I'll just share this real quick. You know, there's a great story that I've read, an old parable. And old man's walking down a dirt road by himself. And on the edge of the dirt road, he sees something moving, just catches his eye. He looks over and it's a cocoon. And he gets a little closer because he sees it moving. And he sees a couple little legs popping out, the butterfly legs. And he can see that they're struggling mightily. The cocoon's not opening. And so he begins to feel bad for the for the butterfly. So he gently reaches down and opens the cocoon. The butterfly comes out and immediately falls down on the ground and dies within seconds. And what he has realized is in that moment that in his desire to help the butterfly with the struggle, he interrupted the process that was giving the butterfly the strength when it breaks out on its own through the mighty struggle then it can fly and be what it's created to be. I just finished that answer with that. That's a beautiful analogy. Don't you dare interrupt the struggle, embrace the struggle. It's the struggle that gives us the strength that we're going to need to be who we're created to be. Ken, I think that you are where you are because of where you've been. And the, the significance that you are giving now to the lives of others, that stage seven where you're giving yourself away through your dream job, um, I agree with what you said. You couldn't, you couldn't do it. You could not be who you are without, you know, it's the old Chuck Swindoll. We live life looking out the front windshield, but we don't understand it till we look in the rearview mirror and then we go, Oh, okay. I, I get it now. I under, I understand. So I got a question for you. How many times during those struggles and during that patience being developed, have you had the white towel in the pocket going, I'm going to shortcut it. I, I, I don't, I'm tired of waiting. There's got to be a quicker way. I'm going to shortcut it. I don't know if I'm ever going to see this in my lifetime. You know, you get that feeling in your brain. Mm -hmm. um, what kept you in the game? What kept you when the white towel was coming out to wave it and do something quicker that you knew would provide a great paycheck but not be your purpose? What kept you on the journey to get where you are? 
Well, uh, the answer to that question is hundreds and hundreds of times my head was on a swivel when it needed to be straightforward with those mm -hmm. horse blinders on. Um, even when I was here at Ramsey for the first three years, um, my head was on a swivel. Was there another way? Is there a better way? Is there a faster way? Um, what kept me in the game was a absolutely um, unshakable belief that I was supposed to be doing what I was aiming mm, for. That's good. And so when my faith was weak, what I did fall on at first was a belief that I did have the talent, I did have the passion, and I had the missional drive. So then I go, okay, this isn't an accident. This may not be the exact path, but the belief that I was pursuing what I was created to do kept me in it long enough for my faith to catch up, right? And what I mean by that is, then I was able to get along with God and go, okay, That's here's right. what I know. Yep. Here's what I know. I, I know this. Despite my fear and doubt, I do know that I got it. I got it because you gave it to me. And then I could get kind of back into a place of trust and obey. I, I got to trust you. What I know to be true is you yep. created me. You put this in me. This is not of me. This is of you. And so then my faith would kind of go back up, you know what I mean? And so I hope that doesn't confuse people. No. That's just my way of saying, I, I. that's why I teach this idea of get clear. It, it, as you know, in the book, I go, there are going to be seasons and, and, and heavy, heavy downpours of fear and doubt and pride that, that distract us and make us feel like, oh, I'm not doing the right thing. And, and what do we do? We have to retreat back to clarity. We got to run back to clarity and get recentered and go, wait a second. Do I have the talent? Do I have the God-given talent? I can, yes. Do I love this work? Despite people, despite circumstances, despite the economy, despite all the things, do I love the work? If I strip away the negative and it's just me and the work, do I love it? And then finally, does this work create a result that that just makes a tuning fork go off inside of me? It's 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 connected to my values. It connects deeply to me. And, and when we can retreat to that and we can go through it, it's the litmus test, it's the filter, it's whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's getting the compass back out. Okay. You know, I love I love that uh, silly character, Captain Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean, always had that stupid compass. <laughs> That's what get clear is, that That's simple right. stage, the first stage. Go back to who you are. The God of the universe put those three elements inside of you, talent, passion, mission. And when you get there and you get clear again, here's what I love. Here's what I've learned. Clarity leads to confidence and confidence leads to courage. That's right. So in those moments when I don't have a lot of courage, you can't summon courage. I I'm just going to come straight out and say anybody that tells you that is full of crap. That's right. You just can't go, I need to be courageous. No, you get clear. And when you're clear, that breeds confidence and confidence breeds courage. Let me illustrate real quick for those of you that are a little skeptical. If you've ever read a story or watched a news story about an everyday person that did something heroic and saved the life of somebody else, put their life in danger to save the life of another. 
and you watch the interview, you read about it. It's always some simple statement. Well, I just, no one else was there or I was there and I, I knew I had to do it. Let me just tell you what happened in a split second. Clarity, this person's life is in danger. They're going to die if somebody doesn't do something. I've got to do something. Clarity. That clarity goes, I think I can do it. I got to do it. In that moment, they just, boom, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to save them. Confidence. And the courage to put their life in danger. It all happens like that fast, yep. like in a split second. They're in danger. Somebody's got to do something. I'm the person. Think I can do it. I'm going to do it. Like, it's just all in one, almost like a picture frame. Poof. Yep. Confidence comes from clarity. And then when we have the confidence that we're supposed to be on that path, then courage shows up. And we go, I know I'm supposed to be here. I, I know this isn't some big cosmic mistake. I'm not delusional. All right. I'm going to bite down on the stick. I'm going to buck up. I'm going to put my helmet on. Let's go. That's how that works. You do such a great job too, Ken, working through. And one of the things I really appreciated about it is, you know, one of your steps was getting connected to the right people and, and not wasting your time in the stage you're in that you need to get to know the people around you. You need to, you need to quit bumming around other places and get to know the folks with you. And I think getting to know people is a lost art in our world. It's, it's like, we've lost that. We, we, we can text them and we can LinkedIn join them and be friends on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all the other places, but we don't know people. Why does God always seem to put the right people in our path? If we'll just take off the blinders to see. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. You know, when we are, pursuing who we were created to be, we will see the people we're supposed to see, you know? And so it's funny. It's, you know, that's a really interesting question. I've, I've never had it. I do think God puts people on our path, but I, I think they're already there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, I think it's, I think it's like God's up there going, okay, hello. <laughs> These people have been around you the whole time. That's right. You just couldn't see them. Yeah. And um, yeah, so this is fun. So, um, I like to nerd out on some stuff as, as I try to always become a better, better coach on air. Uh, because as you know, I got to coach people in five to six minutes. So it's yep. like hyperspeed. I got to, I got to get to the heart of it fast. So did some research a couple of years ago and I started nerding out on this thing called the reticular activating system. Have you heard of this? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. It's our, it's our, it's in our brain. Yep. So super short reticular activating system is like a camera in our brain. And if you think about all the thoughts and all the things we see and hear as we're going about, it, it, our brains would just melt down if we didn't have this kind of filter. So what it does is it works with our thought process. And so whatever we are focusing on and thinking about, the brain goes, oh, that's what we're thinking about. So we're going to go take pictures of that and, and give ourselves more evidence. So two quick examples. They did a study several years ago. It's a famous psychology study. You can look it up. And basically, they had uh, some people in the room watching uh, a, a basketball a drill. Okay. And, and the way it went was they were, they were told just record how many times the people pass the ball to each other, it's like a three man weave going up and down the court. And so that was their one thing. Okay. How many times the ball been passed? So in the middle of the drill, they had a, a person come out in a gorilla costume and just stand there for like 30 seconds in the middle of the drill and then go away. And when they came back, they realized that uh, the majority of the people in the study didn't even see the gorilla. 
And it's, that's mind-blowing until you think about the power of focus yep. in our brains. And so these people were locked in on one thing. How many times has the ball passed? So they were so focused on that. One final example on this. Last time you bought a car, I want you to go back, rewind. Pull the car off the lot. You're on the way home. You, the kids, the wife, whoever it is. You start noticing the car you just bought. You start seeing it everywhere. And we look at each other and go, look at that. There's our, there's our car. There's yep. I didn't see that a week ago. Yeah, you did. You saw it. You didn't notice it. You didn't register it. And so uh, that, that, there's science behind this. I mean, yep. th- this is neurology. And again, it's the way God made our brain. So um, seeing people that we need to see will happen naturally. If, as you said in your question, we our eyes are up and we're actually focused on where we want to go, which is, you know, get connected. Stage three is what you're talking about. You need yep. to be getting connected in every stage. But Get Connected includes uh, my last book, The Proximity Principle, which was That's a right. deep dive on the art of connecting. But but here's the deal. If I'm focused on getting around people that are doing what I want to do and being in places where the kind of stuff I want to do is being done, that's the proximity principle, then I'm going to see people I never saw before. I'm going to see opportunities I never saw before. And I'm just a believer that there are opportunities that are just rolling in like trains at a train station. The problem is we don't put ourselves at the train station. That's exactly right. And you even think, I don't believe God's trying to keep people out of what they were called to do. I think his desire is for them to be in it. And therefore he's going to bring the people along. You think of Moses, Moses could have never accomplished what he accomplished without Aaron and who provided Aaron. Well, God did. Moses didn't provide Aaron. God provided him said, Oh, remember your brother. He's a great speaker. I know you stutter. We understand that, but he's a great speaker. He'll come alongside of you. But if our eyes are only on, well, crap, I'm not where I want to be. And this is an endless job. I don't want to be doing this the rest of my life. We miss those opportunities. We were talking earlier about Liberty. As much as what I learned at Liberty was great, the people I met, that was the best part of Liberty. We're the people, the amazing people that God put in my pathway and thankfully, I had a pastor growing up who said, don't waste your experience there by just the, the stuff you learn, man, meet the people. And it, yeah. it made all the difference in the world. And people that still to this day cross your path from back then that God's preparing you for. Final thing I want to I want to dive in for you. Um, you talk about getting promoted by developing winning habits and traits. Where do we, where do we in the process we're in, we're moving along, where do we get to the gut level of, I can be in the place I want to be, but if I don't have these certain things working for me, I may never move up. It's not just about arriving there. It's about doing something with it unpack the winning habits and traits. That's such a great point there, Ken. Yeah. Yeah, So we have two chapters in the book, as you know, in stage five, which is get promoted. And there's two chapters that break down what I believe is an absolute fail safe way for you to always be growing and thus always be advancing. Um, And the way I break it down is that when I, when I was writing it, and I created the outline. I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on this chapter. This is what you need to be doing. And then the next chapter is what you need to be becoming. That's right. 
And so, so I'll break good. it down. Oh. So, so, so here we go. So there's three things you need to be doing. Knowing your role, accepting your role, maximizing your role. All right, this is what you do. This is about winning the now so that there is a next. And we talked about patience early on in the conversation, bringing that back into this moment. We humans want progress so much that what happens is we get a new opportunity, something that we would have gnawed our right leg off for in the not too distant past. And then we start focusing on the future, the next thing, and we're obsessing about the next and we miss what we need to do in the now. That's right. Watch this. And then we sacrifice the next. So here's how you win the now. Know your role. That's clarity. Accept your role. That's attitude. Maximize your role effort. Okay. Those are pretty straightforward, quick explanation. Break them down again, knowing your role. But look, if you're in leadership and you got some leaders above you and you ultimately want to move into a senior role and move up, whatever, you're, you got to know your current role. So what does a win look like? Have you sat with your leader? And, and even if it's a senior pastor, right? And go, hey, what does a win look like? What I, I know my job description. I'm not interested in that. What is expected of me? What does a win look like? I got to know my role. That's clarity. Operating in clarity, it's fantastic. Number two, accepting your role. All right, it's the rung of the ladder you're on now. It's not the rung you ultimately want to be on. We're, we're ascending. It's not the mountaintop. But there is no mountaintop if I don't crush it here. So now my attitude is one of gratitude. I have made progress. I am making progress. There will be no future progress if I don't win. So my attitude is one of gratitude. And then third, maximizing my role. This is where I think a lot of people, we get into a, a very easy uh, lane of entitlement here. And we go, I'm doing a good job. Doing a great job. Been doing a great job. Okay. By the way, all that could be true, but maximizing your role is beyond great job. You're crushing it in your job, but now you're maximizing going above and beyond what is expected of you and adding value that is not expected of you, adding value to your leader, adding value to your coworkers, adding value to the customer, the end user that is not expected of you. Now, if you're doing those things, you're going to be noticed. Yep. People are going to approach you for being promoted. Now, we'll move quickly into the five qualities. Quick setup on the five qualities. And again, I unpack them in the book. You can go from zero to hero in all of these versus what I teach with talent. You either got the talent or you don't. That's right. So I can work my butt off uh, in the gym, do all kinds of fast twitch exercises, work on my calf muscles, which aren't there, by the way. No matter how hard I work, I will never be able to touch a 10-foot rim because I don't have the physical talent. So you are, you know, I worked for John Maxwell for years. Yep. He had a wonderful illustration on this. If 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 you're a, a three or four or a five on a scale of one to 10 or something, you work your butt off, you might be a six or a seven. Nobody pays for that. That's right. So talent, you're limited. With these five qualities, you're not limited. You can go from zero to 10. Here are the five qualities. Likeable, coachable, reliable, adaptable, honorable. Now, I unpack those in the book, and I, I've already given you a really long answer. But those five qualities, if you are taking inventory of yourself in those areas, likeable, coachable, reliable, adaptable, honorable. Let me tell you something. If you're seeking to be a 10 and be just developing your character, 
and your qualities in those buckets, people will fall all over themselves mm. to promote you. And let me give a caveat. If you are attending those things and you are not being promoted, you are in an unhealthy organization. That's right. And that's your sign to hit the exit ramp. So if you're in a healthy organization and you're doing those things, you will ascend. Here you are. You've worked through those stages. You talked about this earlier. You're at stage six. Um, you're in your dream job. We began with the with the quote from Zay, you'll get what you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Mm -hmm. What do you pray others have gotten out of Ken Coleman's life? When your life's said and done, no matter what stage you ended at, what do you pray your life has done for other people? Uh, it's exactly what I say every day, uh, that I've helped them realize what their unique contribution is and that I coach them along the way to where they realized they could do it. And then I cheered them on as they were doing it. Um, if people would say Ken was my counselor, coach, and cheerleader from a distance, uh, or in those that I'm privileged to meet one-on-one -on -one and coach, uh, that would be it. You know, because I'm not, I'm not revealing. I get credit for revealing things to people. Uh, but I don't think I'm doing that. I, I, I think I'm counseling, coaching, and cheering them on. Uh, I think they know the answers. Uh, certainly I help them uncover some things, but I'm not coming in going, oh, this is your thing. That's what I mean. I'm not, no. That's not that's not what I do. Um, that would be a bunch of garbage. Um, what I do is I listen and I um, help them see themselves the way that I believe the creator sees them. A lot could change in our lives if we all woke up with a purpose that was bigger than us. You know, we spend so much of our days working for that paycheck but when we can spend those same days working for a purpose that's bigger than a paycheck, that's when the light bulbs come on. And that's when our lives begin to matter and they begin to make a difference. If you have not picked up Ken's book, you need to do so. It is so good. I know this is going to be one you're going to want to stop and share with friends. You can go into iTunes or Spotify and hit share. You can share it on social media. But this is one of those you want as many people to hear as possible because it's just so full of good stuff. Thank you, Ken, for being a part. Well, 2022 wraps up the month of January with none other than Tim Elmore. Tim is also a second-time guest, but he has a brand-new book out called The Eight Paradoxes of Leadership. Tim is one of the nicest people out there, and he's one of the people out there that's changing generations and changing leaders, and you are going to enjoy Tim Elmore next week. Once again, I hope you go and you subscribe and you download each episode, and you don't miss a leader who can help make you the leader that you were created to be. Until next week, go and live out that purpose that God created you for today. 
Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 